Welcome to Nintendo Dispatch, your weekly Nintendo podcast covering all things from the world of Nintendo. I'm Michael. And I'm Christina. And as you notice, I dropped the nickname and my last name. I feel like we've gotten to know each other, right? This is episode 62. We've been around the block a few times. We're friends. We've rubbed elbows with the locals. And I think just saying my name at this point, you know, you know who I am. You know, we're, we're buds. You're the man without a nickname. Yes. So I, I figured I'm just going to be Michael. You're just going to be Christina. And Mots will probably just be Mots. So he'll be moving James forward. Mots. He'll be James Mots Montemagno, which yeah, he's not he here can... this week, unfortunately. Yes. And as you can tell, Mots is not with us. I believe he is celebrating his birthday. So happy birthday to Mots. We hope he's having a fantastic time. I believe Heather is taking him out and about. They're they're whining and dying and traveling all over, enjoying his birthday. So happy birthday, buddy. We will catch you hopefully next week. I believe. Fingers crossed see what happens <laughs> yeah so with that we did we do have a ton of stuff to talk about surprisingly we didn't think it was going to be as heavy as it is so kick it off what do you got all right so this past thursday was the 79th annual general meeting of stakeholders for nintendo and when furukawa was asked about nintendo 64 and gamecube games coming to switch he said that the company is currently looking into providing an extension of the online service this is the first time we've gotten any kind of hint that the Switch Online Library might expand beyond the NES games. In January, a data miner, I think you guys may have talked about this a little bit, but a data mm-hmm. miner data miner claimed to find uh, hints of 22 SNES games in the services code. And the SNES succeeding the NES in 1991, it seems like the next logical step for them to add those games to Switch Online. Uh, Furukawa went on to say... At this point, we cannot tell new information about the future classic hardware among you, among others, but we are thinking about providing an extension of the online service, which is currently providing Famicom or NES software, as well as other methods of providing them. Then he follows up with, we also recognize that there are opinions wanting to play past titles. So for me personally, it's, it, I thought that it was good that they recognize what people want, but it starts to kind of get into rumor mill territory a little bit because they're definitely not confirming anything here at all. <laughs> they're no. not saying, yeah, we want to bring these games on. They're being very vague about it still. So the fact that they're being vague about bringing SNES games onto this onto Switch Online makes me think that they're not really considering Nintendo 64 or GameCube at all right now. So if they, if they do come to the Switch, it definitely won't be anytime soon, I don't think. No, I think we're going to see Super Nintendo first. Yeah. Those other games will come out eventually, but I th- I would have to imagine it's the same reason we haven't seen a mini version of those consoles. It, there's a lot of issues with trademark. There's a lot of issues, mm-hmm. probably legal issues that go along with that. So I would, I'm hopeful that we'll see that. I guarantee we'll be seeing Super Nintendo stuff over the next I will say next year we'll start to see it. I don't know if we would see it this year because there's so many games coming out. I don't, I can't imagine them doing that, but who knows? It would be nice. I think it would add extra value to the online, um, you know, features, functionality. I hope that it happens, but we shall see. Yeah, I'm thinking probably the next E3 next year, maybe they'll announce something for online because this year they didn't really address it at all. 
we'll I think see. it's going to be a direct before that. Oh, okay. Because it because it's just too yeah. far out. I think that's that's a whole year away, and I think it's something that they are they're not out of games for NES yet, but they're kind of scraping some odd titles. You know, they're they're mm-hmm. definitely pulling some weird stuff out of the woodwork for their NES offerings. So I do think we're going to see it before E3, at least an announcement before E3. Maybe. Uh, but I will say that once Mario Kart Nintendo from Nintendo 64 does come to Switch Online, if it does, everyone will know because I will disappear. Hmm. <laughs> this past week, there were three indie games released as uh, collector editions, so you can pre-order them through Signature Edition Games. The three games are Sparklight, which releases October 2019, Children of Morta, which is September 2019, and Northgard, also September 2019. So these collector editions come with, um, they, they each game comes with different items. So Sparklight comes with a region-free copy of the game, a signature edition sleeve and box, original CD soundtrack, a nano block figure, and a numbered certificate. Children of Morta comes with a region-free copy of the game, pocket art book, an art card, a certificate, and six enamel pins that feature um, family emblems from in the game. And Northgard comes with the game, an art book, soundtrack, art card, certificate, and two metal pins. So if you're really into collector's games, if any if any of you are interested in these games, I think Northgard looks really cool. Um, they're available for about 50 US dollars to pre-order which is $14 roughly more than the standard physical edition. And you can order them through the Signature Edition Games website. Did you get Did you get a chance to look at any of them? I, I thought Sparkly actually looked really good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm interested in that one. I like the art style that I saw from it. I, I wouldn't get these collector's editions only because that's not, I'm not a collector. I don't yeah. care about physical copies. I don't even want physical copies of games. So I would much prefer to go with the cheaper version the digital versions but all this stuff is cool if you're if you are a collector and you are interested in these games then by all means but yeah sparkly to me seemed interesting they all looked pretty nice though i just i'm wondering why these games and how that became to be they must have some sort of deal with them or perhaps they work with them but uh it's pretty exciting i'm in for at least sparkly digital i think that looks good I thought Northgard looked really cool. It's kind of what's that uh, mobile game that we played for a while? The strategy based game. I don't know. Polytopia. It's Polytopia, Polytopia or Civilization. It's it's a game like that. Kind of. Yeah. The art style really stood out to me, though. I thought it looked really interesting. But yeah. So if you're a collector and you really like these indie games, uh, pick those up. Great. Now, some uh, maybe good news, maybe not good, hopefully good. (laughs) But recently, some console makers got together and they are doing their part at least to to try and keep the 25% tariff off of the video games. And as we all know, there is a current trade war going on between the United States and China. The Trump administration is now threatening to institute an additional 25% tariff on over 300 billion uh, different goods from the country, which essentially is, is everything at this point. So that includes video games, that includes consoles. Well, because of that, Nintendo, Microsoft, and, so- and Sony issued a letter from their administrators saying, 
that this is a very bad idea and that they would like to be exempt from those tariffs. They, In the seven-page letter, they go on to make bullet points of why this is such a bad idea. The VPs of all three companies argue that these uh, tariffs would injure consumers, video game developers, retailers, and console manufacturers. It will put thousands of high-value rewarding U.S. jobs at risk and stifle innovation in the industry and beyond. They also say that game consoles are sold at or slightly above the cost of manufacture. The cost of any import tariff would have to be passed directly to the consumer, who is already very sensitive to price differences. So what they are implying is if they have to add money on, especially a 25% tariff, people are just not going to buy the consoles, which I completely agree with. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, the direct loss of $350 million if they added the tariffs on for the U.S. economy each year, and that's a Uh, according to a cited study from trade partners worldwide, that this ripple effect will be felt you know, throughout the industry and possibly beyond, including such things as like a third party accessories. So you got to assume, let's say Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo are being hit with 25%. Okay, fine. That comes into the country, people stop buying it. Well, now they no longer have a reason to buy maybe US manufactured goods such as controllers or any, you know, headsets or anything like that. Yeah, it's a domino effect. It would potentially impact uh, up to 65,000 U.S. workers employed within the game industry. I mean, developers, everybody, everybody that's involved. Mm-hmm. 96% of U.S. video game consoles are manufactured in China. And they said that shifting the manufacturing to another country, which a lot of people may say, oh, well, just move, you know, move to a different country so you can do it. They say that because it's such a significant um, supply chain, disrupt, uh, distributing that or, or disrupting that would increase costs so much, it would almost outdo the proposed tariffs. So the, it's just not even a factor. You can't just up and move to a whole different country because it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost money in order to do that. So we don't know. We don't know if these tariffs are official yet. The administration is saying that they're going to give a final decision later this week. So by the time the podcast comes out, the decision may have already been made. But we will keep our fingers crossed that these costs don't get passed on to the consumers. I really don't want to have to spend 25% more money on anything. <laughs> no, and it would, be, it would be unfortunate. They're expensive. Yeah, they're expensive yeah. as it is. It would be unfortunate. So we will see. We'll keep our fingers crossed that it doesn't happen. But uh, if it does or if any new news comes out about it, we, of course, will uh, share that. Now, moving on to some game news, we do got a little bit more information on Pokemon Masters. We mentioned this, I think, a week or two ago that it's going to be coming out this summer. And some of the gameplay was ex- uh, explained or at least revealed. The Pokemon company did a presentation. It was roughly eight, 10 minutes long. And they get started with a trailer. So we got to see the game in action. Then they went through and gave us some bullet points. Now, if you didn't know, the Pokemon company is working with DNA to create this game. And they are saying that it, they wanted to create an experience where players can befriend other trainers as well as just the Pokemon. So they wanted it to be very simple. They wanted it to be very pick up and play and anybody can do it, which in my opinion was Pokemon Go. I don't know why we need another Pokemon game. It seems like we already have a very simplified 
Pokemon that little, everybody can play. A little bit redundant. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know, I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see what, how this looks. It does take place on an artificial island called Pasio, which is you know somewhere in the Pokemon world, and trainers are aiming to become the champion of a new competition called Pokemon Masters League. The trainers have just a single Pokemon in their team, and they will travel around and pair up with other trainers to create a team and that's how you will battle you're going to actually play as three on three team battles and the trainers themselves will be a part of the battle so your pokemon will be able to do attacks and then the trainers will be there as a support character so they'd be able to heal the pokemon they'd be able to do things like that i don't know if they have actual attacks but i know they're there as support to keep the pokemon fighting all in all, I'm kind of iffy on it. I don't need another Pokemon game. I've got Pokemon Go and I've got the core game coming out very soon. So to me, this doesn't look that great. I will, of course, try it. I'm interested. I just uh, a little bit of Pokemon fatigue at this point. I don't I don't need another Pokemon game. I feel the same way when I saw this. I was like, another Pokemon game? Like, we're, we were just talking about Sword and Shield and how excited we are for that. Why are they just pushing another thing on us right now? Well, it's it, mobile, and and we don't know. They yeah. didn't say anything about the gotcha uh, mechanics, so we don't know if mm-hmm. how much it's going to cost to play it. And these mobile games, a lot of times, make a lot of money. But that being said, we haven't even got on iOS. We don't even have the Pokemon Rumble Rush or whatever yeah. it was called. So I don't know what is going on with Pokemon. They've been pushing out a lot of stuff lately. Kind of feels like they're pushing things out to see what sticks, and then they'll probably just focus on that. Like Pokemon yeah. Go is clearly a hit, but it doesn't like does Pokemon actually own it at this point? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the Pokemon company makes it and, um, you know, oh, it's, okay. it's definitely a part of their nobody. Nobody else has it other than Pokemon company. But it's it it's it's just they're just making a lot of stuff at this point. Yeah. And I do think there's going to be initial interest but it'll die off quickly because we're going to be getting sword and shield very soon the hype for that is gonna be intense and speaking of sword and shield it was announced that the pokemon gods have spoken they say that the national decks will not be expanded officially Mm. (laughs) so we can all move on i know last week you talked about it a little bit and everyone was so upset about it i thought that they explained it explain the reasoning for it very well previously. I, yeah, but, I, I don't care about this. Yeah. This is a non-issue to me. I really couldn't care less about the fact that not every Pokemon is included in the next game, mm-hmm. mainly because it's it's a problem that if you go two more versions down the line, five more versions, it's how are you going to support 3,000 Pokemon in a game? It just doesn't make any sense. Take the best of what's out there. There's a lot of stupid Pokemon. I'm sorry, but there's a lot of <laughs> Pokemon that I never even use. They're just dumb. And I don't care. I don't care enough. I like the games. I like collecting the Pokemon. I like seeing new Pokemon. But ultimately, I I don't need them all. Just, just give me care. every evolution of Eevee and I'm set. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm ready and, to go. The, the biggest thing that's a problem, though, is people don't even know for sure what's there. Yeah. Every Pokemon they could possibly want is probably already included, except for some junk Pokemon that nobody uses anyway. I highly mm-hmm. doubt they just were random and selected Pokemon. They, If they knew they were cutting Pokemon from the, the Pokedex, I'm sure they did some research into what are the most popular 
Pokemon? What are the strongest Pokemon? What are the best Pokemon to keep? They didn't just make it an arbitrary choice. They they selected them for a reason. So I would just calm down and wait until the game comes out and then just enjoy the game. Sorry, your 30 Pokemon didn't make it into the into the mix. Like, but you know, you know, there's going to be like that one thread on Reddit where everybody is commenting, oh, this Pokemon isn't in it. This Pokemon isn't in it. This Pokemon isn't. It's going to be like five people. <laughs> there's going to be everybody no, else gonna is going to be, be really excited about the game and playing it. There's going to be a lot of people that have backlash about this, this because that's Maybe. what people do. People like to complain about stuff. If yeah. you change Pokemon, people complain that it didn't change. If you do change it, people complain that it's not the original that they grew up knowing and loving. People just like to complain. So I'm, I have no problem with this. I understand where they're coming from. Uh, I don't think it's a cost thing. I just think it's a sheer volume that at some point you're going to have 3 million Pokemon and it's just not, it's just, you can't support that any, any longer. They, they kind of shot themselves and painted themselves in a corner early on because every game that came out, they added another hundred. Here's another hundred. Here's another. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. So they had to make this choice. It, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm okay with this. Yeah. Uh, something I'm not okay with, and I'm I'm holding off because I want to see what happens, but this seems to be a trend, and it's starting to get a little aggravating, actually. But recently, last week, we mentioned Bloodstained had some issues with the PlayStation and Xbox, and that there was a game-breaking bug in the game. Well, they released an update, which would fix the problem. Unfortunately, if you played up to that point before you put in the update, you had to start all over. Well, Switch... We already knew about this issue before it came out, so we didn't have to worry about it as much. We were able to either get it digitally and the update was already included, or you got the physical and then just did the update. So it wasn't really a big deal. However, the downside is the Switch version of the game looks like butt. It is just muddy and just terrible. And I was watching a few comparison videos and I, I'm amazed at how drastically different the two versions look. It is horrendous how bad they look. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of in, in, in the beginning of video games on my TV. I always have to like calibrate my TV and it, it looks like it wasn't properly calibrated. <laughs> it's it's very bad there's a lot of details that are not showing i mean this game is meant to be a very like high res very beautiful 2d platformer and one of the examples they're on a ship and on the playstation xbox version there's rain coming down it's pooling it's running over the steps on the ship on the switch version there's not even there's just raindrops there's no pooling there's no puddling there's no water rushing down the stairs nothing i mean they just literally took everything out of the game so that it would be more optimized it's it's pretty pretty bad in response to the complaints and in response to the feedback 505 game senior community manager jason ryan has posted an update saying that they intend to improve the switch version over multiple small updates rather than one big update because they said if we do one large update you're gonna have to wait a lot longer we want to start incrementally fixing these issues which i think is good but why did you put it out this is just a flashback to my time at porsche this is starting to get to a point where I'm hesitant to buy a Switch game port because they just don't 
look as nice. They're just not that good. And it's getting aggravating that a game like this, which when you look at it, it should be fine. There's other games that are very similar on the Switch that work very, very well. And I don't understand why Nintendo is the only one that can put these games out. They need to figure out this support issue. They need to figure out these problems because at least in my case, I'm hesitant to get a Switch game now over something that maybe was released on PlayStation or Xbox because it's just not as good. It's plainly not as good. You know what this makes me nervous about? Mm. Witcher 3. Well, I mean, I know Witcher 3 is going to have some but, graphical yes, issues. Yes, but seeing this issue makes me worried about games that they're bringing onto Switch, like Witcher 3, kind of promising this awesome game and then not delivering like the quality, oh, yeah. the quality control is, has been lacking greatly in a lot of these games. And it's very frustrating as a person who's buying full price games. Like I want to get what I'm paying for. I don't want to well, buy something and pay f- and like have updates incrementally over a long period of time. I want to buy something. I want to play it and I want to enjoy it. And right now you yeah. just, you can't do that. It's frustrating. Yeah, no, and I, yeah. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I, I think certain games you're going to have to under, you're going to have to accept, you know, a game like Witcher 3 is going to have, uh, you know, issue, not issues, but it's not going to have the best graphics compared to PlayStation or Xbox. It's not going to have everything that those games have. Right. But you you're offsetting that with portability and you can play it anywhere you want and, you know, something like that. And for Witcher 3, assuming it looks good, assuming it works, which I think is a bigger issue because Bloodstained is, has has performance issues. It stutters and it you know yeah. has uh, drop frame rate and things like that. If if it just looked not as good, but still performed optimally on the Switch, still ran buttery smooth, still just kind of functioned the way it should. I can I can be okay with it to an extent. If Witcher Three runs well, I can be okay with it and be up and 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 pass on the graphics. But if it doesn't, then there's really not a reason for me to pick up those games on this system. And I I think I'm at the point where I wouldn't even pre-order a game on the system anymore because I need to see a review on it at this point because they're just it's happening more and more. I th- I think issues like this that keep coming up are what's making me even more excited for the Breath of the Wild sequel because it's a beautiful game. It runs super smooth. Every single time I played it, I've never had an issue. Mm-hmm. Like why why aren't all games like that? <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's Nintendo working on it. Yeah. So I, I can understand to some extent it's their system. They've got all hands on deck. They're, you know, they're they're working on it and they understand how to do everything with the game. And I do think as time goes on, games get better on the Switch, but it seems to be the opposite. It seems as time goes on, you know, maybe maybe developers are pushing as, as hard as they can to put something on there and they're just not understanding the platform well enough i don't know but it needs to be a trend that's that's corrected because yeah or it's they're focusing so much on just like getting something out at a certain time as opposed to like really working on it and refining it yeah i don't know yeah hard to say but moving on mario maker 2 was released launched this past week i'm not sure the right word (laughs) but um the original game started with a 10 course limit. So 
Uh, if your course has received stars from other players, that limit could be expanded. Um, the final kind of cap that you got from popular for popular creators was a hundred courses. Um, so yeah, that was that was the for the original game. In Super Mario Maker Two, it appears everybody is capped at thirty two courses, and that's it. Um, there's no like sliding scale or anything. It's just that's thirty two courses. Uh, you can still design mm. and save as many levels as you want. But you just need to be more selective about the ones that you want to share with people online. I'm curious why they didn't go with the original way of doing it. I like the idea of having only a 10 course limit and then based on your feedback, you're given more. And I think that's an interesting way to do it. Now, if you're all if everybody has access to 32 as a cap, Mm -hmm. it's no longer based on you know, like the score. So essentially you could end up with more junk levels now than you did in Mario maker two. I would assume oh, that maybe. was the whole point of putting a cap on it. Well, think about it. If, yeah. if you, everybody only starts at 10 and then you get more, if those 10 are good, you're, you, uh, you have a, a more strict limit on what game or what levels can be posted. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody has the cap at 32. So you could put out 32 junky levels. I could put out 32 junky levels. And if everybody does that, now you just have a lot more levels available that are maybe not as good. So I, it's, I'm curious why they went this route. I, I don't. I don't fully understand it. I think the original way they did it was was pretty smart and they should probably go back to that but i don't play the game so maybe if our listeners have different opinion opinions on that they could share them with us but it seems like the original way would have been better my my theory is they probably got feedback from people complaining that their limit wasn't being raised just because they were getting like it's kind of the get good yeah (laughs) get better (laughs) yeah and then you can get more courses but that's probably that's the whole point it's you're making junk yeah it's the kids that got an award for showing up that are the ones probably complaining (laughs) yeah i don't don't know why they did that and maybe i don't know yeah i don't like i said i don't play it so it'd be interesting to get some feedback from some listeners that do and they can let us know what's going on Mm -hmm. there and is 32 enough you know maybe everybody maybe the average was like 12 that people actually realistically played and then you had some hardcore users that were creating like thousands or something but maybe maybe people just don't make that many well you know what i'm saying though because you can make as many as you want and then you just post them Mm -hmm. so maybe there's just there's no reason. Maybe majority of people don't make that many. I don't know. Uh, now, in another updated news, we've got some information on Crash Team Racing, which I haven't played, but apparently it's being very well received. The very first update will roll out on July 3rd. It is going to introduce the Grand Prix content, which includes the additional or the addition of leaderboards to the Grand Prix menu. The track Twilight Tour is also being added to two modes. And the character Tana can now be unlocked as well. The pitch stop segment of the game will also get updates with new items, expected uh, new carts, some characters, some skins, some decals, paint jobs, wheels, and stickers. And then there's some minor stuff, bug fixes, things like that, that will also be rolling out for Crash Team Racing. So that's good if you like the game. Yeah. So... The other day, we had a podcast listener on our Discord, Marby Z, share a link with us uh, for Breath of the Wild. So apparently, there is an underwater glitch. Um, So there was a clip of someone shared on Twitter 
where they're waiting in the water. Link is waiting in the water and then activates the scope. And then when they cancel out of the action, the water kind of effect or the blueness of the water totally disappears. Everything is clear and you can see all the coral and the reef and the fish swimming around. It looks really cool. And it was really interesting to see how much detail went into something that the gamer really doesn't see at all. The only time you even see something remotely under the water is if you're on a raft floating across water or like maybe swimming and looking down, but you have to look really close because the water is very blue. Um, So I actually went and tried it myself (laughs) and I tried it in a couple areas and the only area it seemed to work for me in was the Laurelin village. So it's that like really tropical village. And the only spot I could get it to work was where this Twitter, where this person tweeted the, the clip at. And I think it's because you have to get underneath a dock and the only way to do that is you have to like kind of crouch and like kind of sneak your way under there so i didn't actually use the scope technique i just moved my camera around and then eventually it like glitched and went underneath the the dock and i could see everything i it only lasted for like 30 seconds but man i felt like i broke the system it was great <laughs> it's pretty interesting that they added that much detail i wonder why especially if you don't really see it from a, you don't really see it anywhere. So why build all the assets out if there's no, I mean, there's fish even, I don't know. It's all built and exists in there for no real reason. Like coral reef. Why would, why is that? Well, I always liked it because anytime I'm like on the water, on a raft going over water, there was a new area I noticed yesterday. I'm on the raft going over the water and it was really clear water. And I could see like these ruins on the bottom and then I could see a chest. So Whenever they do have detail underwater, my eye is drawn to it. I notice it. And I do know that in that tropical area, there are chests as well. I found them all and, and they were gone. So they were in the water when I when I looked. But um, it's just, it helps you kind of know that there's something under there. So I think that's probably well, why they added it. But If there's chests, and I, it's been a while since I played, but mm. can you dive? I don't remember. No, can you, you dive use down your, into the water? You use your special ability, your magnet. Mag- Magnesis, magnesis, where you can like magnetly attract metal things. Oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it just glows and then you pull it back uh-huh. up. Well, it's it's interesting. It's kind of cool. It's there. Maybe yeah. it'll work its way into the sequel. I hope so. When the time comes. I hope so. That would be neat. Now, we do have a little bit of news regarding a new accessory slash product coming out that supports uh, Super Mario Maker 2. This is, we we have to warn you that this is while supplies last. So when the podcast comes out, it could already be gone. But if it isn't, it is kind of cool. And I, I think it's pretty interesting. So going along with Super Mario Maker 2, Target is now giving themed metal lunch boxes with the purchase of the game which i think is is really cute it makes me think back to like the old uh this is what you would carry to work when you would be like a construction worker mm-hmm. you know these old lunch boxes and it, it looks similar to like a kid's lunch box like you know children's lunch box but it does make me think that's the connection you know you're a construction worker going off the job carrying your little <laughs> metal lunch box with you uh thermos of soup or coffee or you know your sandwich yep. but i thought it was very very interesting it's it's kind of a cute bundle it will be at target while supplies last so get over there grab onto this thing because i'm sure it's going quick if it isn't already gone it i i don't know if i would prefer the lunchbox over the stylus that 
Europe got with their, I believe, pre-purchase, they got a stylus to use on the Switch, mm-hmm. which may be more beneficial in the long run. But uh, I don't, even, I don't know. You may prefer to have a sweet metal lunchbox. I know one of our friends, Jared, collects lunchboxes. He's got one for Fallout, so he would probably be all over. I this. could see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought it was worth mentioning. It's very, very cool, and hopefully, they still are there when this podcast comes out. And I think. You don't need to buy like the bundle. There's like a bundle where it's the game and the $10 for eShop. You can just buy the plain base game and you get it. For yeah, it's not yeah. a collector's edition. It's nothing like that. You just buy the game, the base base game, and you will get the lunchbox. So hop over to Target today and pick one up. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Target. Not a sponsor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now I'm going to hop into the best sellers this week. Uh, so first place is Mario Maker 2. No surprise there. Second is Cadence of Hyrule. Third, NBA 2K19. Dropped to third place. <laughs> Fourth is... is I mean, it's still pretty good. It's because yeah. of that huge sale yeah. they had. It's going to, I think, be slowly fo- going down the list <laughs> over the next couple yeah. weeks. Uh, fourth, My Friend Pedro. Fifth, Hollow Knight. Sixth, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. Seventh, Crypt of the Necrodancer. Eighth is Cuphead. Nine, Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. And 10 is Super Mario Maker 2 with Nintendo Switch Online, that bundle. And I just want to know, there's no Stardew Valley. It's happened. What is happening? For now. (laughs) For now. It'll be back. I'm sure. Another new game that didn't quite make it to the top 10 this week, but we wanted to mention was Terraria, which came 21st on the list. Now, some new releases coming out this week. We have on July 1st, Redneck Shooting for $5. On July 2nd, Red Faction Gorilla Remastered, $30. <laughs> they write it. They had to get the Mars that in there. Pun. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator for $15. July 3rd, we have Avivo for six thirty, Luca Born of a Dream for fifteen, Bus Fix twenty nineteen for six dollars. On the fourth, we have Stranger Things three, the game for twenty dollars, Pure Mahjong for ten dollars, Clanad for forty five dollars, Ankh Guardian Treasure of the Demons Temple for eight dollars. As Divine Dios for eleven seventy, What Remains of Edith Finch for $20, and a Wii U release, Horror Stories, for $4. And then rounding it all out, we have July 5th, Cyrilim 3 for $15. Now, going back up, what did you check for this week? What's interesting to you? So the first game I checked on the list was Red Faction, Gorilla Remastered. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really hard to say that. Uh, I was surprised you didn't have this chart because it just seemed like a kind of game you would enjoy. But Red Faction was the first, like the original Red Faction was the first ever computer game I ever played. With mm-hmm. the exception of Jumpstart Fourth Grade, but we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the way I used to play it, it was like a revelation for me that you could destroy the environment. And I remember that... I couldn't get past this one area, so I literally took a bazooka and I asked my dad for the cheat code to like get ammo and stuff like that. And I literally blew a path. I like Minecrafted my way around this area to get past the enemies. 
<laughs> so I always ha- I have like a soft spot for red faction games just in general. The fact that you can go and just destroy everything. I love that. And that's pretty yeah, cool. So yeah, I like that. It's, it's on my wish list. If it ever goes on sale, I probably wouldn't pay $30 for it just because mm-hmm. I I don't like spending that much unless it's like a Pokemon game or a Zelda game or something like that. But well, this is remastered, <laughs> so maybe it's worth the thirty dollars. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then next on the list, I had you said Ovivo, Ovivo, however yeah, you Ovivo. pronounce it, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Ovivo sounds that's fun to say. Ovivo. Ovivo. Uh, the art style looked really cool, and the gameplay because of the art style looks really interesting. So you're constantly switching between light and dark. Not not light, but like white and black. So when you're going to the white, you jump up. And then when you need to go into the black area, you reverse it and your character turns black. I think that's right. But it's just a really interesting puzzle game. And it looks not necessarily relaxing, but just really interesting. Then the third one I had, third and final one I had marked was What Remains of Edith Finch. Now, what caught my eye about this game was the screenshots looked really pretty. But also, they open up the intro- the little, like, disclaimer for the game. Not disclaimer, but descriptor for the game. Said, winner of the best game at the 2018 BAFTA Game Awards, as well as the best narrative awards at the GDC 2018 Choice Awards, 2018 South by Southwest Gaming Awards, and the Game Awards 2017. So, I'm just curious, like, why it's gotten so many awards. And then I read at the bottom... And it said it was created by Giant Sparrow, the team behind the first-person painting game, The Unfinished Swan. Now, I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember, but remember we went to that game art? It was like a show that Sage did, the college you went to. Mm-hmm. This game was there, The Unfinished Swan. I remember we looked and we were like, that is really pretty. That's really cool. And I looked it up, and it's definitely that game. So that made me even more interest, interested in the game, knowing that it's the same the same team. So... Yeah, I mean, for me this week, that's the only game that I thought was even remotely interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, $20, it's not a terrible. I added it to the wish list. I remember when we did see Unfinished Swan, we thought it was really beautiful and it's an interesting concept. So if the same team is working on this, it also looks very, very beautiful, very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, just to fill in a little bit, apparently this is, it, it seems like maybe a point and click game. I'm not 100% sure, but you are trying to figure out why you your character is the only one alive left alive in your family. Everybody else has died. So you essentially are working your way through this home and reliving the story of your family members all the way up to the point of their death. So that's how it fills the story. And that's how you get, you know, some answers as to what's going on. It seems really, really interesting. The sk- the stills are beautiful. Yeah. I will say I checked it on Steam. It has amazingly, I think it's overwhelmingly positive reviews according to Steam. Oh, nice. But... But it is also 50% off right now. So that only puts it at $9 on Steam as opposed to $20 on Switch. So if that's something that factors into it, it may be worth looking into this game just for the fact you can buy it on Steam. Um, I I don't know. I'd have to look into how it's played a little bit more. If it is a point and click, sometimes those are better with mouse and keyboard. But the fact is it seems to be very, very well received. I mean, it's got a billion, billion awards as it is, and the reviews are great on Steam. So I'm excited. I think it looks really, really interesting. And it went right to the wish list. So we'll see. 
<laughs> I was going to say, I hope that once it's released, they don't have like 20 updates that need to come out to fix it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the trend the now. Fact so that it, hopefully the fact that's that it's not the on case. Steam already, that's what makes me nervous now, thinking that it was like already a game on Steam and now they're trying to port it to Switch. Well, I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. Almost every game that's on Switch has been ported from Steam at, at one point, yeah. and the majority of them are fine. It's just, it seems like, you know, the my time at Porsche just seems like it was rushed out, and now with Bloodstained, that, I don't know what happened there, but hopefully it's not a trend with every game and what rate what remains of Edith Finch should be okay by the looks of it. It's, it's not very demanding of the hardware so it should be fine Maybe, we'll see. Yep. but that gets us to everybody's favorite segment in the show what you playing so what have you been playing <laughs> uh not a whole lot i just got back in town yeah. uh the other day so when i'm on the road it's very difficult for me to be able to play anything i did turn on the switch a few times and maybe played a round of fortnite but other than that i really have not been able to play very much yeah, you're constantly busy when you're on the road, too. It's just hard for you to yeah. even carve out like 10 minutes even is difficult. And when I do have the 10 minutes, I, I'm i just too tired you to, shut down. to play games. <laughs> yeah, I just I want to yeah. go to sleep. So it, it's most of the time it's I just don't I just can't play stuff when I'm on the road. Makes sense. So I actually did finally pick up Lines X. Uh, it was in the pot. We mentioned it in the podcast two weeks ago and then last week because they pushed the release date. but. Uh, it did get released and it was actually on sale for 70 cents. So I bought it and I've been playing it today. I think there's about a hundred levels and I'm on level 53. And some, some of the puzzles are actually pretty challenging, but I'm enjoying it. I I'm, yeah, I'm doing it while I'm watching like a TV show or whatever. It's fun. It's, it's pretty relaxing. I mean, 70 cents. It's hard to beat that. And then besides that, just about breath of the wild. You're almost done. I, you know, you, you, what do you have? Just the final battle left, right? Or are you going through trying to find all the? I like to leave no stone unturned that I am aware of. And the problem with this game, which isn't There's too much, crap. Yeah, exactly, is I'll finish a quest and there'll be another person right next to that person with a little red exclamation mark, and I talk to them, and now there's another quest in my lineup, and I'm like, I'm trying to get through these quests. Stop giving me things to do. <laughs> yeah but, i mean that was my problem with it yeah. too that's what led me to get burnt out on it because i mean at some point you just got to finish the i mean game, it's a good know, problem for a game to have but when you're trying to finish the game for your friend to play it <laughs> i don't know i mean i could do with less seeds I, I i i don't think games that have a million things for you to do adds a whole lot of value i think it's just a million things for you to do you know and i don't I don't know if I like that. I like there being a lot to do, but I want it to be a reason. I mean, the collecting the seeds and then doing all the quests and it was just so much stuff like finding all the shrines. And I just felt like there was a lot. There's a lot of stuff to try to collect that I don't know if the payoff is worth it for me. Whereas if they said, okay, you have to beat the game, but here's all these seeds, a hundred seeds that you can mm -hmm. find and 50 shrines. You know, but everything's like a hundred of everything. And I just don't have the time for it. I, like I said, I already have a hundred hours into the game and I think maybe I'm halfway through the shrines. I'm not even sure. I and don't even I think know I'm halfway shrines through I haven't the shrines. Even found. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. 
like two two of the side quests that I did yesterday, both of them were for shrines, and I didn't even think I'd be able to find any more. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to do, and I and and I and I've actually read a few people saying that that for the sequel, they you know they would almost like to do with no seeds. They would like to have a little bit less of that sort of grindy uh, quests that are in there, and just make it a very rich. 50 hours you know where you're doing stuff and it's valuable i wouldn't mind the seeds i just think that there needs to be less of them and i think it needs to require less if you want to expand your arsenal if you want to like expand how many swords you can carry your shields or bows because that's yeah that that's the good. hardest part right now i'm at the point where i have these shrines that i could do and potentially get better equipment but do i want to risk sacrificing the equipment I have to hopefully get better equipment to fight Ganon. So I don't, I I just don't really know what, because I'm at the point where I'm just gearing up right now. I'm trying to get the best healing recipes, all the best stuff so I can prepare myself for the battle I'm probably going to die 20,000 times in. But <laughs> yeah, get this thing done, will you? Jeez Louise. Well, that is a wrap on episode 62. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you are enjoying everything that we are doing with Nintendo Dispatch. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, comments, just give us a write. Give us a shout out over at NintendoDispatch.com. We also typically stream. We didn't choose to stream this episode, but a lot of the times we do stream on Sunday evenings around 7, sometimes Mondays. The streaming, the live streaming is based heavily on schedule and availability for us but that's twitch.tv nintendo dispatch you can follow us there you can also follow us on twitter at dispatch podcast so if you have any questions any thoughts you want to say hi please feel free to do so we absolutely love it and with that this has been your nintendo dispatch